Good evening. Hello, excuse me. Good evening. And welcome to the Revelation Podcast. And my name is John. And in the last week, I did five podcasts. And I'm trying to do this more often. My goal with this podcast is try to five podcasts for per week. That's my goal with it. And right now we've been going through the book of Exodus. We've been looking at Jesus in Exodus and I hope you are enjoying it. And tonight we will continue on in Jesus in Exodus part 6. And in this part we will look at chapter 7 verses 1 through 6 and this passage I like to refer to as always Yahweh because if you look at verses 1 through 5 you will see God mention him you will see God mentioning himself as I and after I has a action verb for example, in verse 1, God said, I have made. And then you go verse 2, you look at, and he says, I command. And in verse 3, it says, I will. And in verse 4, it says, I may. And in verse 5, he says, I am. And if you remember from Exodus chapter 3, and let me kind of flip there quickly. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, You shall say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And... So, tonight's lesson, or not lesson, tonight's audio is called Always Yahweh. In this, we're going to see that God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament, and He's the same God today. And through that, we're going to briefly look at the Trinity we're going to see how they are the same and what they all can do. And we'll see how each part or each God in the Trinity are distinct by what they do. And even with their distinction, the other Godheads could do what that Godhead does. So that's why they are one in three. And so tonight... I like to start reading from Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. For I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Amen. And the part I want to look at is for I the Lord do not change. And we see that God is the same. He doesn't change. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. In the rest of 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. These three that are one are the same. They do not change. They are all the same and at the same time have specific functions that the other one can do. Because, you know, God the Father... He sits on his throne from heaven that keeps the world in order. 
He is the only one that knows when it is the end. God the Son. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, where John sees Jesus, this is how he addresses him. In John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And... If you continue onward in John chapter 1, he's talking about that he was, he is, and he was to come. And right now, I am looking for, I know it's in Revelation chapter 1, and I believe I might have went past by, oh yes, 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 yes. As you bear witness unto him. But I know where else is another version. Not another version. Another saying of that is Jesus. He was means that he came as the Messiah. Um, He is. He is the Messiah. And let's see. Bear with me one moment. And this thing that I'm saying about Jesus, he, he was, he is, and he was to come. It was an audible at the last minute. And I'm going with it because I trust the Spirit. I know the Spirit will bring me around where I need to go. And let's see. Line in the land. Book of David. And this, oh, I know where exactly. It's in Revelation chapter 4. You know, John went up into the throne room. And he saw the four beasts and the 24 elders worshiping the lamb. And uh, here you go. And the fourth beast. Had re- I'm going to read Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And I'm reading from the King James Version. And he says, And the four beasts had each of them, six queens about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Those three holies right there address the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, which was and is and is to come. That phrase, which was and is and is to come, is referring to God the Son. God the Son came in this world 2,000 years ago. He came in the flesh and is Right now, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, and is to come refers to his second coming. Now, he was, in the Old Testament, manifested himself as the angel of the Lord, commander of the Lord's army and the burning bush. In the New Testament, he was a seed that became flesh. He is still in that flesh. And B, he is, he sits at the right hand of the Father and is praying for us. And he will return. And we see that in Acts chapter 1 verses 11. The angels tell the 120 Galileans, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And earlier on, I took you guys to Revelation chapter 1. And I want to find that verse because I know it's in here. 
it's Revelations chapter 1, and it identifies who, let's see, who bore witness to, who was, who is, and who is to come. Let's see. I saw that. Let's see. I am the first. Not trying to create a whole lot of dead space. Well, it's one of the things I'm gonna have to let it slip by, even though I feel like it is here. I read through Revelation quite a bit, and I did find one of the things in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, where the four living creatures says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. And I think I found it. Because I think I got a little spot. Okay, here we go. Revelations chapter 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha. And Jesus right here identifies that he was in the beginning. He always existed. He was the one that created the world. And Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 says, For all things were created by him. The things that we see and do not see. And things that we do not see are referred to the spirits. And I am the Alpha and the Omega. And that means that Jesus is the the beginning and the end says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come the almighty so I found it Revelations chapter 1 verse 8 and where I'm getting at with that and talking about Jesus as part of the Trinity is that he was he is and he will return now unto the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit has been active in the Bible since Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. He was upon a few prophets and kings in the Old Testament. In the Gospels, he was upon Mary, John the Baptist, and Jesus. And from the New Testament until now, he is in the people that have been born again. They either have been just been born in the Spirit or full of the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference. And in a podcast series that will be on the Revelation podcast, I will be doing something that will be focusing on the Holy Spirit. I believe that a lot of people have a misconception of the Holy Spirit, and that's why they are misled. We have to understand that whenever you're led by the Holy Spirit, that it does not mislead us. And the reason why we get misled is because we missed it. We got confused, you know. We got confused with our thought and our emotions, and we thought that was the Holy Spirit leading us. And because we have not trained our spirit enough to be led by the Holy Spirit, we miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. And to start training our spirit for us to know what the Holy Spirit is telling us is we have to get into the Word daily. That is how the Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us according to His Word. And when we miss the Word, we are just being just born in spirit. We haven't got to do it to be Full of the Holy Spirit. And for us to get full of the Holy Spirit, we need to take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul writes that to the church of Ephesus. And this is a little preview of the teaching of the Holy Spirit. I did not plan this, but the Spirit is leading me in this direction. And don't worry, we're still going to be talking about Ephesians, I mean, not Ephesians, Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 through 5 and we will be taking a look at always Yahweh and I did start at Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 and I want us to see from that verse that God is always the same and then I took us right into the Trinity so that we could see God the Father 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are also the same. They bear witness to one. They are one in three. They agree with one another perfectly. And I talked about God the Father, how he sits on his throne, and he's making sure that everything is ordered. He's the only one that knows when the end will come. God the Son, who was, means who came to the earth, who is, which means right now he is praying for us and he's sitting at the right side of the Father, rightfully so, and who will come, which means that he will return. You men of Galilee, the way that you saw Jesus come up, he's going to be coming, he's going to be coming down the same way in Jesus' name. And right now we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit, there's a difference of being just born in the Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit. And to see how we can be full of the Holy Spirit, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice that be filled with the Spirit. He didn't say just have the Spirit, but be filled. Filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek word, the word filled means continuous action. And how do we get filled with the Spirit? Well, if you go in verses 19 through 21, it gives us at least three steps to take where we can begin to be filled with the Spirit. Number one is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that means if we want to be filled with the Spirit, we have to fill our mind with the Word of God, with worshiping and singing. Worshiping and singing is not just set for a time, a place where we just receive it and it's done. No, we have to receive worship daily. We got to consume it daily. And then once we consume worship daily, then we also have to give thanks. Look at verse 20. It says, give thanks Always, you know, right when we get up, you know, we should start thanking God. And then verse 21 talks about submitting to one another in the fear of God. And the fear of God is not like a dictator. Like if a dictator, you know, he says, if you don't do this, I'm going to take away your life. No. A fear of God is kind of like the idea of... You know that if you do not stop at a red light or a stop sign, there's a chance that you're going to get hit by a car. And so you decide to obey. And when we decide to willfully disobey God, what's going to happen is our conscience is going to be seared like someone took a hot iron and harden our conscience. And we harden our conscience like that. We disconnect ourselves from God. And that's where we lose our salvation, I believe. That's the spot right there. You know, Paul warned Timothy, you know, there have been people that have seared their conscience for false doctrine. And then he tells them that you should continue into the word. And you should be able to divide truth. And so, going back to being filled with the Spirit, you know, right before I talked about the fear of God and what it is, you know, before that, in verse 21, it talks submitting to one another. You know, Christ gave us a great example on how we're supposed to submit ourselves. In the upper room, he washed his disciples' feet. He gave them an example that they should follow and how they should serve one another. You know, the greatest commandment that Christ gave us, which was a new commandment, was to love one another. And the way that we love one another is that we willfully submit ourselves to them. Like, they are the master and we are the servant. You know, and so when we begin to... Sing songs, be thankful, and submit to one another. There were taking steps to where we're not just having the Spirit, but we're being filled with the Spirit. Now, about the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, that's just a little preview of a series that I will be doing about the Holy Spirit. Now, with where I'm getting at with God the Father, 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They do not change. Jesus in Exodus is the same as he is today. And now I want to get to Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. In verses 1 through 5, we're going to see that Jesus, he's always Yahweh, that he doesn't change. And the way I'm going to go about this is I'm going to go verse by verse, and we're going to take a look at Jesus as I and see what action verb comes after that. So, in verse 1, chapter 7, and I'm reading from King James Version. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. I like this. You know, this comes right after Moses was frustrated because Pharaoh hardened his heart on the Israelites. He increased their burden. The Israelites were upset at Moses for doing that. So Moses talks to God. If you look at verses 29 and 30, you look at what Moses said to him. He says, And Moses said before the Lord, I am uncircumcised lips, and now shall Pharaoh hearken, and how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? And God says, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. I have made you like a God to Pharaoh. Moses at the time was an 80-year-old farmer that could not talk. Pharaoh, most likely, he was younger than Moses. He had it going. Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt, and Egypt was the world power at that time. God is going to use an 80-year-old farmer to bring down Pharaoh and Egypt. And so he says, I have made you like a god to Pharaoh. We see this in the Old Testament, in Exodus. In the New Testament, God used the foolish to build his church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 7, when they looked up to see Jesus, and this is how the angels addresses him. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 7, this is on the day of Pentecost, when they start speaking in tongues. Then they were all amazed. The word all refers to all the nations that were in Jerusalem at that time. And they were all amazed and marveled. And what were they marveled at? They were marveled at the 120 Galileans being able to speak in their native tongues. And that's why they sang to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? God made the church godlike to Judaism Judaism 120 of his followers at the time were Galileans they were considered a less class when compared to Judea in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 God said Paul writes but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame the things which are mighty. So we see that God took Moses, who was probably considered weak, and he's getting ready to use him to bring down the mighty that is Pharaoh and Egypt. God said, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And in the New Testament, we see that God takes the foolish things, the 120 Galatians, and he brings down 
the mighty Judaism. So example of foolish things God chooses are the Galileans and the ADO farmer. When it comes to us, it is fair to say before we accepted Jesus that we were both weak and foolish. After he changed us, after we were born of the Spirit, he made us his children that are a nation of royal priesthood. In Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Being born of the Spirit makes us children of God. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, Peter tells the Christians, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who have not been born again are still living in that darkness. Now, on to verse 2 of Exodus chapter 7. He tells them, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out to his land. You know, verse 2. You should do what I command you. Pharaoh should have listened to God. But he could not. He is not born of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 says, Therefore I make you known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Pharaoh could not see God because he was not born of the Spirit. And he could not understand the Word of God, and here's why. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He did not, Pharaoh, he did not know that God is God because he didn't have the Spirit. And he did not know God's authority because he cannot understand the Word of God. Jesus is for spiritual people. That's why the Holy Spirit, we can testify that Jesus is Lord. And with the Holy Spirit, we could understand the Word. That's how where we understand the Word by the Spirit. Not natural man. Natural man cannot understand the Word of God. People that are born with the Spirit. When we become born again, we are born of the Spirit. Our regenerated spirit is a new creature, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We commit ourselves to Jesus. And Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, We had called disciples to himself with his disciples also. He said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Number one, deny himself. We put to death our old self when we receive the Spirit. Taking up the cross. Being willing to go through the struggles that comes to being a follower of Jesus. John chapter 15 verse 20 says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 through 9, and this talks about Jesus. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of all eternal salvation to all who obey him. And then, follow me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So when we decide to follow Jesus, when we are born again, we made a commitment to follow him. 
in John chapter 14, verse 15, is very clear. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And in John chapter 13, verse 34, in the upper room, he gave the apostles a new commandment. And that is, you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So the new commandment is that we love each other, like he tells us to. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, talks more about that. He says, John says, We know that we have passed out of death into life. And that is, when we become born again, we have moved past death. And when we have been born again, because we love the brothers, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, you know, a person that is a Christian cannot have hate in his heart. If he hates anyone, then he's a murderer. A murderer does not have eternal life. And so he is not abiding in Christ. And more about the love that John talks about in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says, this, By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Earlier I was talking about being filled with the Spirit. And one of the things that Paul was talking about was submitting to each other. And that could mean submitting our lives unto death. You know, Christ did it for us. Christ gave us the example to follow. He was willing to die for us. And so he expects us to have that same willingness to want be able to die for each other. Now, as followers of Christ, we have the truth. Truth in Christ. He not only wants us to be hearers of his word, but doers. Luke chapter 8, verse 21. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And in John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You see where I'm getting at with all of this right here? In Exodus chapter 7 verse 2. God tells Moses that you shall speak all that I command you. All that I command you. When we follow Jesus we made a decision that we will obey him just as God expected Moses to obey him. To follow Jesus also includes the Great Commission. In Mark chapter 16 verse 15 he says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, we see Moses getting commissioned in Exodus. And we read about the apostles getting the great commission in the New Testament. And that's still carried out today. Even while the Israelites were in exile to Babylon, God told this to Ezekiel. He said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you should give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, no speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. 
If Ezekiel did not do what God told him in telling his brother to repent, then he would be just as guilty. God in the Old Testament is the same in the New Testament. So he wants us to obey him by sharing his word with others. Therefore, we should do what God commands us. I mean, that's how important it is for us to obey God. On to Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. God says this quite a few times already. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 20, he says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 21, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Pharaoh, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart that he will not let the people go. And in Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Now you see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this, of his land. Wow. You know, Spoiler alert, what he said he did. After the death of the firstborn of Egypt, we see in Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 through 32, that at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also, when we read the book of Exodus, we see God give his promise and deliver again and again. When we look out through the whole entire Bible, we see the same God. He gives his promises and he delivers. That God is the same today. And he still delivers his promises. We see in Exodus that God kept his promise. And he is the same God that keeps his promise. He is always from us to prepare our places. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That's where I am. You may be also. This comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. In the upper room on a night, of his, on a night before his death, Jesus told his disciples two promises. One is that he'll go to prepare a place for them. And number two, he will come again. And we see God in the Old Testament tell Moses what he's going to do, and he does it. He will return that has he will return that has been seen in the Old Testament. He says he will return in the New Testament, and in Revelation we see that. 
Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I saw in night the visions, and behold, with the clouds of heavens, that were come one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and was presented, was presented before him. Daniel, a prophet in the Old Testament that was exiled in Babylon, saw the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus testifies that when he is brought before the religious council on the night before his death. Matthew chapter 26 verse 64 says, Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And in Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 13, John the Apostle sees this. That I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it was called Faithful and True, and righteous, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in robe, dipped in blood, and name by which is called, which is called is the Word of God. Another promise is of his, you know. He will not leave us as orphans, you know. Even though Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he promised that he will not leave us as orphans. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What Jesus was talking about when he mentions helper, Spirit of truth, he is talking about the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, we'll do greater things than what Jesus said. In John chapter 14, verse 12, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and whoever is born again of the Spirit will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. The ones that are doing greater works than Jesus are the ones not only just having the Spirit, but they're Filled with the Spirit. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 30, the prophet Joel prophesies that people will have the Holy Spirit and they will do signs and wonders. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and smoke and columns of smoke. And we see on the day of Pentecost, we see Peter quoting Joel. And Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. So we see that when God says, I will harden my heart, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Well, spoiler, we saw that he did it. And not only were his signs and wonders seen through Exodus, but they were seen throughout the Bible and they're seen throughout today. You know, we see all the way back to the prophet of Joel that he promised that he would pour out his spirit at the later days. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit come upon them just like as Jesus promised them in the upper room. And they were doing signs and wonders. And those signs and wonders are going on today because God does not take back his promises whatever God promises 
it will be fulfilled. And in verse 4, on to verse 4 of Exodus chapter 7, verse 4. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Excuse me, i got to take a little swig, sip of water. Alright, in verse 4, we see again, I, just like with the previous three verses. And the action after I in verse 4 is, I will lay my hand on Egypt to deliver my people out of Egypt. And I will lay my judgment on Egypt. Pharaoh was an antichrist. He was against God. And he persecuted his people. His judgment that he received from God cost him everything. The antichrist will do the same thing to God's people. And he will be judged along with all the evildoers. And we see that in Revelation chapter 13 verses 5, 7, and 10. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to execute authority for 42 months. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And the authority was given it over every tribe and people and language over the nation. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. After Satan is defeated again, he and the others will be judged at the great white throne judgment and in Matthew chapter 25 verses 32 to 33 Jesus prophesies this and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left after I break this down believe me you're not going to want to consider yourself as a goat, as the greatest of all time. You'll see why. The sheep are believers. The goats are unbelievers and sinners. And John sees the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. That I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them and i saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were opened then another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done and the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The sheep are names written in the book of life. You know, a lot of people said that we should not be sheep. And what they're getting at is that we should not be blind by having others that are blind leading us. And that is true. And yet as Christians, Jesus compares us to sheep. Sheep are foolish animals. And without Christ, we are foolish. Which is why sheep need shepherds. Our shepherd is Jesus. So when we are sheep under Jesus... Being sheep is a good thing. Now the goats, you know, goats, you know, 
Nishla, the greatest of all time. We should stop that talk. We should stop that talk because that's devilish talk right there. You know, the apostles fought over themselves about who was going to be the greatest of all time. And Jesus told them that, hey, listen, if you want to be great, you have to humble yourselves. And you have to be willing to serve others as he did. You know, Jesus is not a goat. He's not that at all. But Jesus is simply the greatest. You know, he created all things. He gave us eternal life. And not only that, all the things that we see receive life from him. And on that, I'm talking about the physical life. He has given everyone in this world a chance. He has given them a chance. So they are without excuse on his day of judgment. And Jesus, you know, he's all powerful. In day one, he says, let there be light. The light separated the darkness and that light gave energy. You know, right now, because of him, I'm able to do what I'm able to do. All he has to do is to say, no electricity, no light. All our device would just shut down and there's nothing that we could do to bring it back alive. Jesus is all knowing. Nobody did not teach him anything. Nobody did not tell him what was going to happen. He already knows. He gave us knowledge. So that's why we're able to take the things that he's created and build amazing things. And you know, he could be everywhere at the same time. He is answering all of our prayers at the same time. I mean, think about that. Wow. And being all-powerful, being all-knowing and everywhere at the same time, it makes him great. But that's not why we would say he is great. What separates him from everything else is his holiness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. He's a holy God. That means he's a just God. We are seeing the just God now in Exodus, and he's getting ready to deliver his people. And later on, as we go through the book of Exodus, we're going to see that these people, a lot of them were ungrateful. And yet he still delivered them. He is great. He is almighty. But he is not a goat like Pharaoh. You know, there's a reason why Satan associates himself with a goat. It's not by accident or by coincidence. And it's not by accident or coincidence that the phrase, the greatest of all, all time is goat you know you have a lot of antichrists out there in politics and Hollywood that they worship Satan you know all the stuff that's going on with um, G-Max Gisela Maxwell and Epstein's Island you know there's documents that's revealing a lot of Hollywood celebrities and politicians and powerful people have gathered on an island to practice wickedness, you know. And all these people that we praise and we celebrate and we talk about them like they're the GOAT, they're the greatest of all time. Well, they're the GOAT, all right, but they're not the greatest of all time. I've already established that Jesus is the greatest, period. He's the greatest, period. You know, the goats like Pharaoh will be judged in what they have done according to the books. 
The goats will then perish a second death in a lake of fire. You know, while in the tribulation, the Hebrews were in a tribulation under the persecution of the Pharaoh, and they were delivered by God. God's children will be in a tribulation to be persecuted by the Antichrist that has not yet been seen in this world. And Jesus tells us, Mark chapter 13, verses 19 through 20, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. For for the sake of the elect whom he have chosen, he shortened the days. Him shortened days talks about the rapture. Now, after the tribulation, the Christians will be raptured up so that Satan cannot extinguish all Christians. So, God will deliver his children from the tribulation. The God in Exodus is the same God that will deliver his children out of the tribulation. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heavens, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Jesus prophesies the end times. He tells us how it's going to go down. His children will be in tribulation. And after tribulation, he will pull them out so that Satan cannot extinguish them all. We see God in the end. We see God in the New Testament. And we see God in the Exodus that he's always Yahweh. He's the same God. He does not change. He does not change his plan, which means he does not change course. His plan has always been going in the direction that he wanted it to go. God is always in control. And then in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 7. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Spoiler alert! Exodus chapter 12 verse 42. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Egypt witnessed that the Hebrew God was I am. While Jesus was put on trial, he says that they will see him in the clouds. When he returns, the whole world will see him. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This happens after Jesus pulls his children out of the rapture. You have the seven trumpets and the seven bowls 
happens simultaneously. God's wrath is poured on, and towards the end of God's wrath, Jesus will come down and he will defeat Satan and all the evildoers. And everyone will know that Jesus is God. People will know that he is the I Am. Therefore, Jesus is always Yahweh. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. And I know that some podcasts will be longer than others. They go at different times. And I don't come in with fancy music or fancy intro. I just want to get into the word. I believe as long as you can hear me, it's sufficient. And the whole point of this podcast is I hope that people listen to this will want to read the word more for themselves. I pray and hope that they can go to the Word so that they can see whether or not what I said is correct. And my aim of doing this is to share the Word of God for what it is. And there may be times I may say something inaccurate and, you know, you could go to my Facebook post and you could post something and say, Hey, listen, I heard you say something like this and, you know, it doesn't sound right. And, you know, what? I will go back to the Word. I will kind of look and see because, okay. You know, he's right and say, oh, okay, you know, I want, I want to get the word right. We should take the word for what it is. We should not depend upon the interpretation of others. And when we do interpret the word, we must interpret it as the way it is presented. So I hope people will go back and that, you know, when they go get into the Word, I pray and hope that they do get into the Word more and more. You know, the Word of God is a lot better than Netflix and any other type of video platform there is out there. You know, you get the Word of God for free. You know, if you're so poor that you can't afford a Bible, believe me, you could find a church and just say, Hey, listen, I'm poor. I can't afford a Bible. Can you give me one? And they should gladly give you a Bible. And in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelations, you have 66 books that was written over a 4,000-year period. They were written by holy men at different times. And their books was all about one person. Yep. It was all about... Jesus, And so whenever we study the word, we should ask ourselves the question of, where is Jesus in all of this? And the next question should be is, how is what I am reading, how is what I am reading applicable today? And... When we get into the Word willing on a daily basis and we're praying on the promises of God and when we are living our lives in the Spirit, then yes, we could say that we are living, not just being born of the Spirit, but we're living as being full of the Holy Spirit. We are continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. And within our stomachs, the living waters are stirring up out of us and we can give people clean water you know the word of God is filling and it is continuously filling because you could read the gospel of John and within the next time you read it I say like within three or six months from now when you read it again I promise you you'll get something deeper you know you'll get something deeper the word of God is deep it is deep I mean if we ever knew the distance from earth into the third heaven well whatever number that is 
the word of God is even deeper than that. It's so deep. And it's so good. The word of God reveals who we really are. And tells why we need a savior. And his hope can never be taken away from us. His hope does not make us feel shameful. It doesn't hurt us. And it doesn't make us depressed. You know, you go online right now and you sit down there and you just watch it for 15 minutes. And you'll be really depressed and discouraged. You know... There are people that live in darkness and because all they do is they consume what the world is offering them. And the world never discourages us. I mean, the world discourages us. It never encourages us. Their encouragement is fool's gold. Their encouragement is just basically the noose is loosened and they're just going to tighten it more as we go down their road. But the word of God, you know, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It knows our hearts and it knows our thoughts. And in the word of God, it wants to heal us. And the only way we could be healed is by the blood of Jesus. You know. And I pray and hope that you are getting into the word of God more and more. Alright, well... I am going to continue on tomorrow night. I am going to roll through Exodus chapter 6. And in Exodus chapter, I tell you, Exodus chapter 7. When we're rolling through Exodus chapter 7, and we are at the beginning of the plagues. And with the ten plagues, I'm going to do all of the plagues. We're going to take a look at the plague of blood by itself. And we're going to take a look at the death of the firstborn by itself. And the plagues in between is we're going to look at two two plagues at a time. So you're looking at about, let's see, six the ten plagues should be about six parts that I will be doing. And the first part will begin on Wednesday. And I look forward to doing at least five podcasts per week. And I hope that you guys are enjoying this. And may God bless you. And I look forward to speaking with you tomorrow night.